Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And the first head coaching domino in the NFL has fallen. Frank Reich, the former Colts head coach, has been hired to have the same job with the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, there was a lot of talk about Steve Wilkes possibly getting that job uh, after the job that he did do as an interim coach didn't happen. I think it was pretty clear, Steve, that they were going to go for experience. They wanted somebody who had been a head coach. They went through the Matt Rule situation uh, coming from college, which didn't go very well. He's now back at Nebraska. And, you know, they still have obviously a, a big hole at the quarterback position. Not exactly sure what they're going to do there. But uh, I like this as a solid hire to me. I don't know why Frank got fired in the first place in Indianapolis. I thought that was kind of an impulsive move by their owner. That It didn't work, obviously. They didn't win any games after Jeff Saturday came aboard. But um, I, like this. I like this hire. Yeah, and I think it helps that, you know, Steve Wilkes was a local guy who was campaigning hard for the job, wanted the job. Right. And so they go with a guy who the fans know, the organization knows, because he quarterbacked there what, 25, 27 years ago in 1995. Yeah, ago, yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, but it's someone with ties to the organization too, and I think that helps, particularly nice. when you had brought in Matt Rule previously, you know, who had no ties. And then obviously Steve Wilkes wanted to be there being from Charlotte. So I think that's a good hire in that regard too. Yeah, and, and no matter who they get as a young quarterback, um, I think he's going to be really good for them. Um, you know, I, I think Frank has, has taught that position pretty well. And – you know, for whatever reason, the number of quarterbacks that they had in Indianapolis, it didn't work out uh, at times, but uh, I don't really blame him. I, th- I think he's a good, solid coach. It reminds me a little bit what Jacksonville did, you know, this year um, in bringing in some experience to help, um, you know, to help with Trevor Lawrence. But anyway, so he's headed to Carolina, and we've got uh, a bunch of other jobs still still pending that are still out there. We'll see what they end up doing with that. Um, we're going to talk about the uh, NFC and AFC championship games this weekend on Sunday. Should be good ones. We'll get into that a little bit. And we'll start by answering your mailback questions here in just a second. Okay, first I want to remind you guys how to save money on your electric bill. It's going to be kind of cold again this weekend. I'm going to have to turn the heat on, I think. May Electric Solar, that's what we're talking about. They're a family-owned business. They've been operating and installing solar electric systems for 12 years now. There's a lot of these companies out there that are fly-by-night, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. Here's what they do. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and service warranty. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is what they call the May difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all its products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see exactly what they're going to install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, so all those guys up there, on the roof, those are Billy Mays guys. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar. Here's the number, 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your appliances. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. 
All right, we'll preview the championship games here in just a minute. Let's start with our mailbag questions. We'll go. All right, John had uh, tweeted us. He says, correct me if I'm wrong, Rick, but my feeling is that Todd Bowles appears to be a lame duck coach between the lack of success in 2022 and what is likely to be a stripped-down team next year. 2023 looks like a cap-clear rebuild and setup for a new regime in 2024 with a top pick. In part two of his tweet, if a rebuild is really on the horizon, there are aging players like Mike Evans who have trade value now. Do you think that acquiring picks this way is something Jason Light will include as part of their strategy? I think the trade part of it would have to just probably be based on where they're at, say, in October. Um, You'll probably get more value, I would think, maybe at that point. I'm not really exactly sure. Mike Evans is is someone that's, you know, such an iconic player for this franchise. Uh, It would be difficult to trade him, I think, unless he obviously were agreeable to it. I don't think he has a no-trade clause, but... I mean, it's it's tough when a guy's you know entering his tenth season with the same organization. You got to really be careful, um, you know, about how you do that, how you present that to him, and when you present it to him. As far as like the lame duck thing, um, listen, what's Todd Bowles to do? Right, he's got one of thirty-two jobs in the world as an NFL head coach. He's not going to hand it back in, no matter what the circumstance is. He very well could have inherited this situation a year ago when if Tom Brady had decided, you know, to uh to not play, I think Bruce Arians was committed to coaching if that were the case, but you know, since Tom Brady came back, he got what was perceived at the time anyway of being a great opportunity. Now we know what happened. Some things out of his control, some things certainly in his control. And you know, Brady going through some of the personal things that he did uh, a couple injuries, certainly some injuries to the offensive line, the rebuild there. The, there was a lot of factors that didn't exactly help the Bucks, But you know what? Todd Bowles got his shot, and he only won eight games in the regular season. I know they didn't really play to win the last game against Atlanta. Could have been nine and eight, but won the division, and that's a feather in his cap, if nothing else. But we've talked about this. I've written about it. it is, you know, the salary cap situation is not good, especially if Brady leaves or if he decides uh, to play somewhere else uh, in, in, that, in that instance. The only thing that would save them a little bit on the cap is if he retires. I think some $35 million is Brady's of dead money. If he retires, he, they can put about, I think, $11 million or so on this year's cap and then push the other you know, 24 whatever it is, on the next year's cap. So, But there are ways for them to get under that, too. I mean, there's gonna be, they're going to have to make decisions. I think the test will be this. And I'm not sure it's a bad thing, really. But you can save money, even though they're going to have some dead money if you do this. You'll still overall save money on the salary cap if you decided, for example, we're done with Donovan Smith. We're done with Leonard Fournette. Um, you know, there's a certain number of players that still have uh, remaining contracts that you can get out of. Uh, it's going to cost you some dead money, but the dead money is less than what you're going to pay them in salary. So if you start seeing some some of that happening and them not signing any other free agents to really replace them, it'll be interesting because I, I do believe that in a, in, a, in a different way, it feels a lot like 2009. Um, you know, that, that was more about the owners and uncapped years and things like that. But at some point, you have to recalibrate. At some point, you have to say, we got to pay – uh, down this bill for the Super Bowl. And if Brady doesn't play, this would be the time to do it. And Todd Bowles is just going to have to do the best he can. I mean, you know, you're not going to go out there and try not to win. You, you, you know, you could show progress with a young quarterback. 
in, in Kyle Trask. And if you did that, maybe you have your quarterback of the future. Maybe you draft a guy late. I mean, look, the 49ers are going to play this weekend with a rookie who was Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft, Brock Purdy. Go find your quarterback, you know. Go find a guy that can do some of those things. Now, you got to put a better team. You know, obviously the 49ers are loaded on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. Um, and I think, you know, part of the strategy will be will be told, too, is like how hard did they fight for their own free agents? You know, are they going to get, you know, some of their guys that are their key guys back this year? You know, is Levante David going to resign for a year? What about Jamel Dean, who's an absolute stud as a cover corner? Um, you know, I think some of that will, will tell the tale as well. But it to me, it does feel like it's going to be a, a tough you know, I know he says re, he says reload. I say rebuild. It, it feels that way to me. If Brady doesn't return, if he returns, then all all bets are off because I think they go, you know, full bore again, pushing money down the line and and trying to build the best team they can right away for Brady because they feel like they'd have a chance. But um, in lieu of that, you know, Bulls can make a good case for himself with maybe less talent, um, a new offensive coordinator, an offense that works players that develop from year one to year two on the offensive line, some additions. Uh, you just have to lean heavily on the draft and the scouts to bring him some players. It, it could come together. And, and I'm not saying, you know, look, they only won eight games last year, right, with Brady and everybody else. So could you get back to eight games? Will, will nine games win the NFC South next year? I mean, tell me the quarterbacks in any of those towns, right? Who's quarterback in New Orleans? Who's quarterback in Atlanta? Who's quarterback, um, you know, in Carolina? This right now is is a whole division searching for those guys. You know, some of them have higher draft picks and may land that guy this year, but he's going to be a rookie. So there's still a chance to win this division, believe it or not. And if Todd Bowles can do that, um, you know, he'll have a, he'll have another year. But, I mean, listen, this is the – I believe – I think, Steve, I said, I've added it up. He had – what was it? Three coordinators in four years with the Jets, and mm-hmm. this will be his second in two years here, right? So that's five coordinators in six years on offense. That's a tough way to win. It really is. Jake Collada tweeted us. He says, are the Bucks slow in their staff hiring process, or do they just have to wait to ask permission to speak to a coach from the Final Four teams? Well, there's a lot of, of, of offensive coordinator positions available. I mean, we mentioned Frank Reich just getting hired, so now he'll quickly form a staff. And so with each hiring of a head coach, um, there'll be you know sort of more urgency, I think, to, to get your guy in, right? Um, and then there's another about half a dozen teams that, that fired their coordinators. So Right now, there's a lot of interviews happening and, and not, not a ton of, of signings, although we did see uh, that Nathaniel Hackett uh, was hired as the offensive coordinator of the New York Jets, so that's one job that's down. Um, Hackett has obviously been in Green Bay and ties to Aaron Rodgers, so there's a lot of speculation that maybe Rodgers would agree to a trade to the New York Jets, a little reminiscent of the Brett Favre deal back in the day. They don't want to deal him to an NFC team. So there'll be a lot of speculation in, in, in New York, certainly on talk radio and stuff, uh, about what that means, you know, for Aaron Rodgers. But I don't, I don't know that it's moving any slower for the Bucks than it is for any other team. They, look, they had Keenan McCardle in here on Thursday. Uh, they've had a, a couple coordinators now. They've already interviewed. They'll continue that process, and it's really just trying to, you know, find the right guy. And 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 you know, more important to be first is to be right. You know, and I also think that a lot of these guys that have options are going to want to really ask sort of the questions that we were just asked about being a lame duck coach. Like, you know, what what am I getting into? Is this a one and done situation? Who's my quarterback? 
Uh, what are the chances Brady returns? You know, there's, they're going to be interviewing the Bucks as much as the Bucks interview them. So, but no, I don't think as we sit here, you know, late Thursday afternoon, um, that things aren't progressing fast enough. Uh, although I do, I would say, you know, keep keep your eye on the candidates. Like a lot of people are down. Like, oh, I don't know these guys. You know, they're not. They don't sound very. Listen, um, there's a lot of good young coaches out there. And guys like Jim Bob Cooter have done stuff in Detroit with Matthew Stafford. Um, you know, uh, there, there's just, you know, Kubiak, Clint Kubiak was in Minnesota, did some nice things as an offensive coordinator there, passing game guys. Um, you know, so you just can't, it's, it's not about, you know, well, we didn't mm-hmm. get Bill O'Brien, so, you know, the Bucks are scraping the barrel. That's that's not how it works. I mean, there's there's good coaches all over this league. It's just finding your philosophy to mesh with, what Todd Bowles wants and what he wants to do. And, and I think in a lot of ways that if they hire a younger guy, there's a good chance or a chance um, that he'll bring some some ideas and some concepts that will, you know, sort of modernize the Bucks. And if nothing else, they've had this same offense now since Bruce Arians arrived in 2019. So teams have caught on to it. And they'll have to relearn the Bucks and won't really have an opportunity to do that until you know week one or you know, whatever they they show, which is very little in the preseason, so in some ways this could actually help them. But yeah, we're a long ways from from saying that you know no one wants to work here or it's just too slow. Mm-hmm. I think they're run on schedule really with everybody else. The other part about the slowness is it's only been a week. I mean, other yeah, teams they fired had, guys a week ago. A lo- yeah. Other teams had openings for now a week and a half, if not had right. fired coaches during the year. I mean, the Bucks made the playoffs and then had to do the evaluations. Yeah, so you're really early in this process for the Bucks. Uh, The Mm -hmm. other part is Nathaniel Hackett. Everyone thinks that means Aaron Rodgers is going to New York. I think it means Russell Wilson's going to New York. (laughs) Yo, yeah, yeah, he would love that. Sign me up for Nate's Nate's offense because it just works so well for me in Denver. The happiest guy I think in football might be Russell Wilson, and I don't know whose fault it was. I really don't. I know I've known Nathaniel Hackett for a long time. You know, Paul Hackett coached here, uh, and his son obviously is Nathaniel. Nathaniel was here for a brief time, and I met him when he was a young coach, and he's really progressed very well. And, and no one was complaining when Aaron Rodgers was winning his fourth MVP, uh, and he was calling plays for him. It just didn't come together in Denver. But you know, I think part of that had to do with Russell Wilson, and sometimes the system. You know, they hired Nathaniel, and I think, personally, I think they hired Nathaniel hoping they could get Aaron Rodgers. Uh, when that didn't happen, they ended up with Russell Wilson, gave up a bounty of picks for him. I don't know that Russell Wilson was ever a good fit for what Nathaniel does. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes it's as simple as that, you know, square peg in a round hole. So we'll see what the next guy does in Denver. But, um, yeah, I, I, I've i always thought Nathaniel was a good coach. But, we'll you know, it's going to – there's gonna be a, it's gonna be fun on on radio up there and and and, and stuff uh, the buzz with the Jets and just you know can Aaron Rodgers become a Jet? All right, you kind of hit on this question, but Matt had asked. So far, the offensive coordinators the Bucks are interviewing are not recognized names, but up and comers. Is the list of OCs the Bucks are interviewing a sign that they understand Tom Brady is not returning and it's time to move on? I don't think so. Um... You know, when I when I talk to people close to Tom Brady, they are, they're consistently saying a lot of the same thing. And one of them is that, you know, he has not decided what he's going to do, right? So if he hasn't decided, it's not there's not a lot of information about, you know, what's what's going to happen. And 
The reason he hasn't decided is because he made that mistake a year ago. You know, from what I understand, the word decompressing, uh, healing, those are the things you hear uh, with what Tom Brady is up to right now and reconnecting with his kids and his family. Um, So, you know, that right now is his priority. Uh, I think that wherever he were to go, if it wasn't to Las Vegas with Josh McDaniel, he's going to have to learn a new system. And frankly, based on his reaction to what they've been doing the last year, year and a half, two years, I think he's ready for one. I think he's ready for something that works. (laughs) And it hasn't worked. And I think there's a lot of reasons why it hasn't worked. And he's part of that. But I also think that he's going to embrace, you know, wherever he goes. And like I said, short of Las Vegas, um, you know, there's not really a lot of or going back to New England, of course, there's not really a lot of things that would be familiar to him. So, no. Uh, listen, Tom Brady's going to make his decision based on what's best for him and also his family. I think people, I think sometimes people misread sort of like, you know, Tom's going to have a lot of opportunity, right? Okay, we have a lot of opportunity. Now, I'm going to write about this on Sunday in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com, but like, you know, when you go to a buffet, there's a lot of choices, right? Uh, there might be 35, and and but there might only be two things that you really like, you know what I mean? That really work for you, that you you want to eat, and I think that's similar to with Brady. I mean, there's going to be 35. There's only 32 teams. There's going to be 32 opportunities, but let's say there's four or five, right? Maybe only one or two really work for him, and regardless of you know, and I, I, the pendulum kind of swings here with me a little bit, and I've said, I've talked out of both sides of my mouth at this point, um, is that, you know, you, you can certainly look at it and go, well, you know, they fired all these coaches, including Clyde Christensen, and, and Leftwich is gone. It's like, you know, this is an acknowledgement they're rebuilding and they don't have any cap money, and they're, he's out of here. He's never, if he comes back, he's not playing here. That was that was a goodbye. His, his last press conference, uh, you know, there was a report on, you know, by Ian Rappaport, quoting two unnamed players with one line each that said, you know, gee, it felt like goodbye. We wrote about it the day of the game, uh, you know, after the game, uh, just about the mood and and his parents and all that. And so, you know, somebody's going to be right and somebody's going to be wrong. But every time I, I sort of t- test the waters and I, and I, you know, take the temperature and say, you know, what are the chances if, if Brady plays, you got to go on that premise, if he plays – what are the chances that Tampa would even be considered? And and the fact of the matter is it would have to be, right? It would have to be because the, you're not going to change the fact that his kids live in the Miami, South Florida area in Miami. You cannot you cannot change the fact that his, his one son is on the East Coast in New York. And don't, you know, I'll keep saying this until he makes another decision, but Tampa worked for him. And it didn't work from a football standpoint last year, you can't say it didn't work the year before. I mean, they were, you know, one bad coverage on Cooper Cup away from maybe playing in the NFC Championship game after his comeback. And and the thing about Brady is this, like for all the people that say, well, he knows, you know, that he can't, he's looking for a better, well, he's always looking for a better player. You always want to play with the best players. You always want to have the best chance to win. You always want the best defense and all that. The thing about Brady is that he's an eternal optimist. <laughs> He believes he's going to win. He believed at halftime against the Dallas Cowboys they were going to come back and win. That's who he is. And 
he knows there'll be a lot of work to do, but he also knows this, that the Glazers will do what they can to get good players in here and fix it, right? And he'll want to fix it if this ends up being the best place for him. He'll look at everything, and he'll have opportunities. But not everything is as it seems, right? Not everything. You know, going out west, maybe not be the best thing for him at this point in his life. You know, he's it's one year. Um, his kids are older. He's divorced now. They went through a whole football season last year of coming to be with him in Tampa. And, and for whatever that looked like for him and for them, they've done it. It worked. It, you know, it happened. And so, yeah, I just think that as much as on the surface it looks like, well, he's definitely not going to play in Tampa. I, I wouldn't completely write them off. And quite frankly, you can't write anybody off because we didn't know if he's playing, period. But, yeah, that's that's what I would say. So as far as the coordinators go, no. I don't think a new coordinator would, would scare him away, would shy him away. Uh, I think the philosophy, oddly enough, it didn't come to pass last year, but what Bowles wants to do is what Brady wants to do. And Bowles will find a coordinator that's in line with his desires, which is, I want to run the football. You know, every conversation they have with the new coordinator is going to be, look, we got to run the ball. And whether it's schematics, you know, these are our players. If they can't do this, let's not ask them to do this. Let's do something they can do to help us run the football because you can't have any quarterback dropping back 55, 60-something times a game. Brady especially. So if they solve that by hiring a coordinator that's in concert with what Bowles wants to do, then that coordinator will be in concert with what Brady wants to do. Does that make sense? So I think that, that Brady will be um, probably pleased with whoever they hire because, I, 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 like I said, I think Bowles has a clear idea of what he wants. All right, Greg tweeted us. He said, I understand the desire for drafting and developing a franchise quarterback, but the objective is to win a Super Bowl. The Bucks have done that twice with free agents. Shouldn't the Bucks fill their other holes and then get a veteran quarterback to put them over the top? Bills, Dolphins, both had franchise quarterbacks, but no Super Bowls. You know, I would just say if you look around the league right now and the guys that are, you know, sort of playing, the, I mean, look, the, la- the two previous Super Bowls, right, Matthew Stafford came in, won one for the Rams. Brady came in, won one for the Bucks. right? Here's the problem. And Brady never took, like, the top money. from. The one thing Brady would do, which was really helpful, is he didn't take top money. He could have asked for $45 million. He left a lot on the table to, to fill out the team, right, to build guys because he knew he's about winning and he wanted good players around him. Uh, that's not always the case, okay? But if you look at the quarterbacks now, right, whether it's Josh Allen, uh, who's out of the playoffs right now, but Joe Burrow's on a rookie contract, right? And they've got number one picks all over the place because they were bad for years. Um, You've got uh, Patrick Mahomes is one of the guys that is getting paid, and he lost Tyreek Hill, and he lost players, but he's so good, and the organization's so good that they've not skipped a beat because he's arguably one of the best quarterbacks playing today. Um, You look at San Francisco, um, Jimmy Garoppolo, they were going to move on from, but couldn't. Uh, but they've still managed to field a pretty good team, and now they have a rookie. If they go that way, and Trey Lance is still on a rookie court, uh, rookie contract, and you know that was going to be the solution for them. And my point is this: if you have young quarterbacks that are still on the rookie deals, you can build around them. You can use that salary cap money and build around them. What happens is when you have a Dak Prescott. You start losing guys like Amari Cooper. You start losing pieces. 
And some quarterbacks can win with whatever you throw out there, and some quarterbacks need all those players to help them win. And you're much better off to you know to draft and develop because during that five-year window of the rookie deal, um, you can build around them and use your salary cap money on, uh, to do that. So, you know, if that makes sense, I, I, I think that, you know, you're always better off if you can find, draft, and develop a guy. Now, the problem is, is there's just, you know, they don't grow on trees. And so you have to lose and lose significantly to be in range to get one of those guys. And, like, you know, teams will tell you, I don't want to lose that bad. I don't want to have the first pick in the draft. I don't want to, you know. And if you do have that pick, if you are somebody talk, picking in the top five, your football team is crummy. That's why you're there. They're bad, right? So now your rookie quarterback's going to a bad team. And we've seen we've, we've seen this over and over again in Tampa Bay. You know, Jameis Winston comes in. He thinks he has to be the savior. Um, it's hard for him to lead. He doesn't have much around him. Uh, you know, that's, that, that, that isn't, yeah, it's not always foolproof. But you got to weigh that against who is the field. Who are the free agents that are out there? Which veteran quarterbacks can I attract? Tom Brady was a unicorn, right? And there's certain quarterbacks like that that you'd kind of have that opinion of. Aaron Rodgers would be one. Um, but there's not many of those guys available every year. So you're, I think you should always draft a quarterback. I, I would I would hasten to say that, you know, I mean, look, Purdy was the last pick in the draft. If you draft or sign a guy that's an un, un, you know restricted free agent, undrafted guy, take a quarterback every year because you never know when you're going to hit on a Brock Purdy or you're going to hit on a Tom Brady or something like that. It's rare, but at, le- at least you continue to fortify the position with young talent. And then if you get injuries, it works out. But um, I, I still think the way to go, if you're fortunate enough, is to lean on your scouts, draft and develop a quarterback, and build around him if you can. Otherwise, yeah, go steal him. You know, If you can rip one off that you know is great, uh, have at it. But just like the Rams, where are they now, right? They give up so much for Matthew Stafford and so much for Vaughn Miller and so much for you know different players to, to win that Super Bowl that they may not be good for years, right? And so that's sort of the price of doing it that way. All right, Michael had asked, when are other teams allowed to talk to Tom Brady? They're allowed to talk to him during the legal tampering period, which I'd have to look at a calendar, but it's on or about uh, March 13th. It's like the Monday before the start of the new league year, which is on Wednesday, uh, the second week of March, I want to say. And so uh, there's like a three-day legal tampering period, same time he was able to talk to the Bucks. Now, we'd all be naive, okay, that when they have the quote-unquote legal tampering period or the what they call the negotiating period, where you can agree to a contract, but you can't sign it until the first day of the new league year. They added these two days because they knew tampering was going on anyway, so now it's going on even earlier. Um, you know, that's that's that window, right, where Brady can sign with another team. Um, right now, he belongs to the Bucks, and that's sort of how, you know, they got in trouble with Miami Dolphins because, you know, a year ago before they played the, the NFC wildcard game, Brady was talking to the Dolphins about joining the Dolphins, and he was still very much under contract and was going to be under contract for this season, for the 2022 season, regardless of whether he played or not. Somebody would have to come to the Bucks and give them compensation if they wanted his rights. And he was betting that the Bucks would move on, find their own free agent, and then voila, asked to be traded to Miami for 
a bag of peanuts and, you know, I did give you a Lombardi, give me a break here, but it didn't work out that way. We know that uh, the tampering came down and, and for whatever reason, he didn't go to Miami, but he will be absolutely free to talk to any team, no compensation for the Bucks, And if he leaves, it's a $35 million cap hit. Um, uh, that's, or, you know, that's the downside if he does anything but retire. All right. Lucian had tweeted us. He says, Hey guys, what would you think of our current roster with Trask as quarterback would do under a Kubiak Shanahan's type offense? Assuming Clint would run the same similar style of zone blocking and play action that his dad did in Houston and Denver. Well, it's a good question. I mean, I think you can run zone blocking with some of these guys. I don't know that all of them would fit it, but I mean, there are some good athletes on this offensive line, guys that can move their feet. Maybe not the biggest people in the world. It doesn't matter how big Tristan Wirfs is. He can play in any scheme. He's a great athlete. Um, you typically do it with smaller offensive lines, and you, you rely on your running backs. You know, you have to drill that over and over and over again, but you rely on your running backs to, you know, stick their foot in the ground and, you know, put cut, cut into a hole, find that gap, and, and then explode. Uh, I think Rashad White could do that. I don't know about Leonard Fournette. Uh, it's really got to be suited to your offensive line. But, like, if Jensen comes back, he's he's mobile enough, but I don't know what that knee injury will ultimately do for his mobility. Um, so it, it's kind of a weird thing to, to contemplate. But, yeah, Kubiak, certainly his dad uh, was known for that scheme in, in with the Texans and also with the Broncos. So that's a it's, – it's a great – it's a great thing that the Bucks will have to consider that can help an offensive line that may not be as powerful and dominant in man blocking where they just knock people off the ball. Um, so it's something to think about. But, I mean, like I said, I think, you know, when, you, when you're talking about some of the guys on this offensive line, they're not the biggest guys. They're not the necessarily the strongest guys. I don't know that Donovan Smith has the feet that would, you know, that would really – benefit that but I, I don't know that Donovan's going to be back anyway I mean that's that's a big decision for Jason Light and those guys as to whether to bring him back now you got to have to have a left tackle so uh, you know are you gonna be able to draft one at number 19 that's that's going to be difficult but um, yeah we'll just see I mean listen they have him in there right they have him in there so they are aware of the offense he runs so they have to be accepting that you know what he does his scheme his philosophy is something that that attracts them so already you know that there's something that they like about it, and maybe they think it's a fit. You know, they, we'll have to see if they hire him, but uh, on the surface you think they must believe that it would would fit. All right, go Snarf tweeted. He says, will the Crow's Nest be back at Ray J for the Bucks 2023 season? If yes, and Kyle Trask is the Bucks quarterback, could be plenty of room to stretch out and work on a tan. Ouch, babe. Um yeah, I think it will be. I don't think they're going to have those extra seats in the, what is it, the south end zone uh, covering the crow's nest. So I think there'll be a lot of patio area. And, um, you know, I would say that uh, I don't know what their season tickets are because, I mean, a year ago if you bought a season ticket, you had to buy two years' worth of season passes. So you're coming back no matter who the quarterback is. Listen, um, everybody loves a winner, right? And there's there's plenty there was plenty of room on the bandwagon when Brady was here. Uh, they'll be breaking ankles jumping off of it if it goes the other way. Uh, I've I've lived this before. I've seen that building full. I've seen it empty. I've seen it full of the opposing team. You know, that's another part of that. 
And there's a lot of teams coming down here, I think, this year uh, that will bring some fans of their own. But I think, you know, the the, the, the toughest thing, and it's going to be a shock to a lot of people, including people that cover the team, the toughest thing, I think, for the Bucks fans is going to be they've been so – their franchise has been so relevant, right? I mean, even last year, I mean, you could barely flip on TV that they weren't talking about Brady. They weren't talking about the Bucks. They weren't even, – even with his problems, right? Anticipating, oh, they're going to get it going. If they just get it going, you know, go to Germany. Oh, this is it. They've turned a corner. So he brought so much relevance to this franchise that most of the teams in the NFL are just not. They're just not relevant. And they're not relevant because they don't have a quarterback. <laughs> I mean, it's as simple as that. Um, you know, the Josh Allens, the Patrick Mahomes, you know, uh, the Jalen Hurts, the you know, even the Dak Prescotts. I mean, the, the teams that have that guy are going to win, and they're gonna they're gonna take all the oxygen um, when it comes to the coverage in the NFL. So, if Kyle Trask is your guy, kind of a regional dude. A lot of SEC fans, a lot of Gator fans, they'll love it. I mean, we anything we write about Kyle Trask goes straight to the chart, top of the charts. So they'll give this guy every run they can. And listen, he's been working really hard. The downside for Trask is this. He's been working for two years trying to perfect a system that he now will not run. For uh, He's been doing fundamental things too, but for two years, his reads, his, you know, his, his spitting out the offense, spitting out the play, all that stuff, that's gone. So – he lost a lot of the work product that he's put in, and that's unfortunate for him. It really is. I mean, I'm not, I'm not joking. Like, that's a bad thing for him. So not only will he be getting his first bite of the apple and maybe able to compete for a starting job, but he's got to do it not knowing the offense. And there's just not enough game experience. You know, it's, you can drill it. You can rep it in training camp. You can run all the 7-on-7 seven seven and 11-on-11 11 11 drills where the quarterback's not getting hit. But when you get an actual game at game speed, something that he doesn't have, he's played, he's thrown all of nine passes in his career, been active for all of two games. Not knowing the offense is is not a way, is not a recipe to success for a young quarterback. And it's unfortunate because a lot walked out that door from a schematic standpoint for Kyle Trask. Now, that doesn't mean he can't learn it. It doesn't mean you know, he's, he's not capable or anything like that, but it's not going to help him, right? So... Um, that, that part I think is unfortunate for cop. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. As for the conference championships this weekend, Steve, your Cincinnati Bengals are going to go to Burrowhead Stadium. Yep. Why do I think that's going to that's gonna like bite the Cincinnati Bengals on the butt? Like it, all this talk about Burrowhead. I, I understand Joe is, is, 0, is 3-0 against... Uh, you know, in that stadium, but mm-hmm. are you okay with that? Are you okay with all that smack? Uh, well, it's a question. I mean, is the player saying it or is it the fans saying it? I think um, I think the players have said it. I mean, Willie Gay, Willie Gay for it. the Chiefs just was asked what impressed him about the Bengals' offense. He said nothing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, they're going after Willie Gay then. <laughs> so. Jeez. 
Yeah. Well, listen, I, I've always thought this, that it, it to me, and, and, and the greater the player, the more they'll invent stuff. Like, you know, Jordan mm-hmm. was favorite. Brady's famous for that. I've always thought it's hilarious that you're getting paid millions of dollars. You're, you're playing at the highest level. You're one of the elite athletes, uh, uh, you know, top one half of 1% or whatever it is. Uh, and you need bulletin board material to motivate you and the money and the fame and the and, and the pursuit of championships mm-hmm. is not enough, you're probably in the wrong business. But yet, that stuff still applies. Um, if it can give you just a little bit more of an edge, they'll take it. Well, they'll take it. I mean, that's the way that the modern uh, the athlete is wired. You know, you got to light light the fire, mm-hmm. keep the fire burning, and, and it burns pretty hot, but you can always turn it up just a little notch, and that's what they're looking for, that 1% mm-hmm. that they talk about. Listen, I, I think this, that, I'm, I would be concerned if I was a Chiefs fan about Patrick Mahomes' ankle. Mm-hmm. I know he's walked around pretty well on it, and, and he practiced, and they said he was full. And Listen, this time of year, you, you know, there's no contact in practice. There's no pads. Certainly no one's going to hit Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to be out there, you know, sprinting, trying to get away from pass rushers and stuff like that. I think we won't know. And, and you know, there is this thing called needles, and they can numb that thing up pretty good. Um but I'd be concerned because I think a lot of his game is mobility, you know, escapability, keeping plays alive, being able to throw off different platforms, all of that. And, you know, I guess on the one hand, while it's good that, you know, Patrick Mahomes sometimes can throw off of neither feet, you know, he could throw jump passes if he wants to. Um, maybe he doesn't have to plant and throw as much as the next guy. So so maybe that that's a little bit more of a benefit for him. But at some point, man, you're you're just kind of one hit away, you know, and you worry about like, you know, he's going to have the adrenaline going and, and, and the crowds behind him and all that. My thing is this. I just think the Bengals are a better football team. Um, and I think their defense has really improved. But but I, I just I love Burrow and I love those receivers. You know, Kansas City has done it without Tyreek Hill. They've done it without some of their guys. And, and you know, mm-hmm. it's it's impossible to stop. <laughs> some of their weapons anyway. Um, and they're going to do some stuff. But, man, Cincinnati to me, everybody kind of forgot about them. You know the last time they lost, Steve? Halloween. How long ago was Halloween? That's their last defeat. Mm-hmm. Now, they, they had st- the game canceled that they were winning against uh, the Bills. Mm-hmm. That's a long time, man. This team's got a whole lot of confidence and momentum right now. They do. They're, uh, what, only like the eighth team ever to start 0-2 and make a conference championship game? Yeah, everyone kind of wrote them off at the beginning of the year because they started zero two. Yeah, it was stupid, but they caught fire and and, and they're mm-hmm. playing really really well. And they didn't have three of their offensive linemen. I think Kappa may be back. I think a couple of those guys might be coming back. Kappa and Williams um, are both uh, still you know questionable. I don't think they've practiced yet, but okay. But you know, this time of year, the practices are basically walkthroughs anyway. Yeah, that's true, especially for linemen. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I like the Bengals in this game, and and look, I know I every, everyone everyone talked about the the Chiefs Bills playoff game last year, and rightfully so, it was a phenomenal one. It was great, and everyone yeah. was expecting that to be the rematch in the conference championship this year. Yep. But the Bengals Chiefs games have been great games. The three that Burrow's beaten over Mahomes, and I expect this this game Sunday is going to be another great game. Right, and I just think that people assumed for whatever reason that you know. It would be it would be Chiefs or Bills right again, and they forgot. Hey, this team just went to a Super Bowl, man. Mm-hmm. They actually got there last year, you know, and could have won the damn thing. Um, and you know, 
in many ways they're they're kind of better this year. I I don't know. I don't know what I'm missing. I I think the Chiefs are really good. They're tough at home. It's a hard place to play, but certainly hadn't bothered Joe Burrow throughout the years, and it won't bother him on Sunday. I like I I definitely like the Bengals. And in the other game, I've gone back and forth with this one in my mind. And Dan Orlovsky almost convinced me, but he didn't quite. Um, and what Dan said is that the Eagles, first of all, the Eagles defense has been phenomenal, right? They got like mm-hmm. 70 something sacks this year. It's insane, an insane amount of, of, of sacks, like going back to the eighties. So this is like the most, so they get after the quarterback pretty good. Okay. And you've got a rookie quarterback on the other side. Of course, what, what the 49ers want to do is run the ball. Now, the one thing that, that Orlovsky made a point of is that, you know, because their defensive linemen and, and front seven want to get up field so fast and attack the quarterback, they're vulnerable to around the edges, and that's where San Francisco runs. They're they're a they're a perimeter running team. You'll see McCaffrey run inside from time to time, but they got a lot of speed. They like to get those guys on the edge. If the Eagles get upfield too fast and don't protect, don't set the edges, it, it could be a tough day. The other thing they do is they throw into the middle of the field, and and frankly, that's exactly where. Brock Purdy throws the football. That's where they want to throw it. Uh, that's where they feel the safest throwing it. So those two vulnerable areas on the Eagles' defense is sort of plays into the strength of the 49ers' offense. However, however, I still believe that assuming Jalen Hurts can continue to function with that shoulder, and I think he's, he's injured. In fact, I know he's injured. Uh, but he, he proved last week that he's well enough to run when he needs to run. He's protected himself well enough that they'll score enough points. And if you can get the Niners in a trail position, if you can get them in the fourth quarter where the clock matters and they're behind, I still haven't seen Brock Purdy in that position. And and as great as he's been, and make no mistake, what he has done is unprecedented, Right. But as great as he's been, I don't know he can win games for you in a two-minute situation. It's the one thing we haven't seen him have to do. And so with a home crowd, with a great defense, and with an offense that with Hurts is as good as anyone's, I think it's going to be really hard for San Francisco, even though they're they're a phenomenal team. They're a great team. But it wouldn't surprise me if the quarterback position, and this is their third guy, winds up getting him there but not over the hump because in these big games and these championship games Super Bowl games your quarterback has to be great he has to play great not good great and I just don't know that that Purdy I don't know how he's going to respond to it especially on the road and you know every week I say well I think this is the week maybe he gets tested and he you know they just keep he keeps passing the test you know but he was one juggling uh George Kittle catch away from not winning that game the other day. And he got a big lift, and after that play, they ran the ball about six to eight times for a touchdown, and that was it. So, you know, if it gets in a situation like that where Kittle doesn't make a play in a tight game and he's behind, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they go. So I actually like the Eagles. I think it's going to be Eagles against the Bengals in the Super Bowl. What do you got? Um, I tend to agree. I, mean, I, think, I think Brock Purdy, this is going to be the toughest defense he's faced all year. It's probably the second best defense in football behind his own. I think so, yeah. You know, and, and how he responds to that and can he make a big play in a big moment against that defense? I mm-hmm. I, I I take Philly for that reason. Um yeah. it's hard to beat a team four times in a row. 
in two years as the Bengals are trying to do with the Chiefs, but it is. I just it really is. I just think the Bengals are rolling right now. I just I think Joe Burrow's got that that confidence. Got Joe Swag, man. They got Joe Swag. Yeah. <laughs> that team has his swag, by the way. You will mm-hmm. go the way your co- coach and quarterback are. You will. Mm-hmm. You really will. You think the you think the Bucks that first year didn't and they were more talented. I'm not dismissing mm-hmm. Gronk and Antonio Brown and all that. But you don't think those guys picked up on Brady's confidence a little bit? Mm-hmm. Or they were confident because they had the GOAT? Absolutely, Absolutely they were. Evans and Godwin and David and all those guys that are really good players but hadn't experienced that. Yeah, they were feeding off that. Absolutely. Absolutely. No question. Yeah. And and, and the Bengals will too. So we'll probably be wrong as rain. (laughs) We'll talk about it on Monday. That's that. Yeah, that's why they play the games. That's, That's how they say how they go. So. Should be a great week of football. The Lightning, of course. Uh, Play their last in... game for over a week uh, tomorrow night against the Kings. That's it, huh? Yeah, then they get the uh, the All-Star, All-Star break, break, the bye week All-Star break. Uh, the All-Star game's next uh, Friday, Saturday. You're going to go. I, like I, that. I will be down in Sunrise for that. So That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, But we'll, we'll be talking about the, about the All-Stars and... And, uh, you know, seeing how the Lightning finish up this, what I guess is the unofficial first half of the season. Yeah, they're more than halfway through, but, yeah, it's their bye week or whatever they call it, all-star week. Kind of the midway point, if you will. Not exactly half, but the midway point. So, yeah, lots to talk about next week. Keep it here on Sports Day Tampa Bay. We appreciate you listening. For Steve Burstyn, Comic Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.